Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, home to all things hockey in our great province. Now, here's your host, Ted Emmett. Hello and welcome to another edition of Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast. I'm your host, Ted Emmett. Thank you again for joining us. And episode seven and eight, both uh, pretty heavy topics, but very important things to cover. But for episode nine here, we're going to have a little bit more fun and we're just going to focus on two Alberta success stories actually on the coaching side. So we're going to hear from four-time Olympic gold medal winner, Mel Davidson, the former national women's team head coach. And we're also going to hear from Ray Bennett, who's actually a former Hockey Alberta employee employee who's been coaching in the National Hockey League for over 20 years. Two great stories there from two small town Albertans who really rose through the ranks to coach at an incredibly high level. So really looking forward to bringing you those two interviews. But first, as always, a little bit of a State of the Union check-in here, and unfortunately, nothing has really changed since Episode 8, and and as always, it could by the time I'm recording this to when you actually listen. But as of right now, yeah, no news is good news too. It means we haven't gone backwards, but other than that, nothing has really changed. Things are staying where they're at, meaning there are still no games allowed. Teams can practice in groups of up to 10 or less, as long as they're following the proper guidelines. And as always, if you're not familiar with those guidelines, they can be found at hockeyalberta.ca. And with that said and done, now it's time to get to our first guest. Joining us now is an Albertan and Canadian coaching legend. Her bio is incredibly impressive. She's won an astounding four Olympic gold medals with Canada's national women's team, once as an assistant coach in 2002, twice more as the head coach in 2006 and 2010, and again as general manager in 2014. And you add to that a silver medal as general manager in 2018. You can also add to that four gold medals and two silver medals at the IIHF World Championships, silver at the 2008 IIHF World Women's U18 Championships, and yeah, there's still more, five golds and a silver medal at the Four Nations Cup, and most importantly, gold with Team Alberta at the Canada Winter Games, along with inductions into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame, Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, and Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame, and there's there's a lot more on the list as well. It's safe to say her name is synonymous with success in hockey. Mel Davidson, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And so, Mel, with even with everything I mentioned in your bio, that's really just scratching the surface. You have so many incredible accomplishments in, in hockey and have done so much. So if it's even possible for you to give us a Coles Notes, can you describe your involvement in hockey over the years and where the game has taken you? Well, I've definitely been very fortunate, uh, not only fortunate uh, to have been involved in the game of hockey, but fortunate to have grown up in Alberta with a uh, a member association like Hockey Alberta that uh, didn't put up a lot of boundaries for you as a as a coach, as a female coach, and also did everything they could to enhance your, your growth and development. And for the game of hockey, for women's hockey, you know, continually we're leading the forefront uh, in what they did for women in hockey. So real fortunate there. Great Grew up in small town Alberta, born in Coronation. I spent most of my life in Oyen, so a thousand people or, or fewer, uh, which again was, you know, an outstanding opportunity where in, you know, in the small towns, if you play a sport, you coach it, uh, which is the funny thing about hockey is I never really played. I played one year. Uh, then I, I didn't play again. I'm not sure why. Probably I didn't push it. My parents weren't, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them trailblazers in that in that regard. So, uh, you know, I probably didn't push it. And then they were just like, whew, good. She doesn't want to keep playing, you know. Um, and then I picked it up again uh, when my brother started playing. And I, 
I still have no idea how that started. I think I was 14 or 15, grade eight or nine in that in that realm. And I feel like I just was one of those people who had my face up against the glass and the, the father's coaching felt sorry for me and invited me on the ice and I, I never left. So, uh, you know, just so many opportunities that, that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have had. And you already kind of mentioned this, uh, you, you have, have had so much involvement in hockey in Alberta and with us here at Hockey Alberta from the Team Alberta program. Uh, you coached in the Alberta Cup as well. You coached in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, um, the Edmonton Chimos as well. How important are those Alberta roots for you and how did they prepare you for everything that you ended up accomplishing on the national stage? Well, without it, I don't I don't feel like I progressed like I, I was able to, you know, as I mentioned, Hockey Alberta, extremely progressive. Uh, the opportunity to be part of the 1991 Canada Canada game staff as a fourth coach, you know, really allowed me to learn about scouting and pre-scout and, and roles. And, you know, I can't say enough about that staff, John Kozlowski, Shannon Miller and Loretta Normando, just the the humbleness of them and the unselfishness of them to to welcome me as a fourth coach and allow me to 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 assist in that you know head coach at 1995 which didn't go as good as you would like as a as a coach but again just experiencing the Canada games and multi sport all the different pieces and it was really interesting when I went to the 2002 Olympics I almost was disappointed when I stepped on the the uh, into the village it was in my mind I remember saying to myself oh, this is just like a Canada Games, only we don't have ATCO trailers. Um, you know, but when you look back, all of those steps are so crucial. The Alberta Cup, the experiences I had there with Mark Howell as the head coach was was phenomenal, another challenge. We had such an incredible team at that point, Kelly Kissio, Ben Knopp, Adrian Foster, just to name a few. Sean Norrie was another one there. And, you know, I, I think a record number of those kids went on to be drafted into the NHL eventually. Uh, so, again, just – the opportunities I got to to try new things, to be involved in both the men's and women's game, the Chimos, uh, the Calgary Canucks with Don Phelps and and uh, Joe Delure with his group, with th- that group, uh, and what I learned there. In addition to everything I did with as a recreation director with Castor Minor Hockey and and all of the the young teams I got to work with there, it just it was like a big petri dish that you continue to grow and and learn from daily. And you obviously don't accomplish what you have in the sport without an immense passion for the game. So really an easy question, maybe a long answer. What fuels your passion for hockey? Interesting enough, hockey isn't even my favorite sport. Uh, softball and swimming would be the top two for me. And, you know, it was, uh, I think it was 1989, the summer there when, uh, or maybe it might've been 88, um, when Canada Winter Games was accepted, uh, accepted women's hockey in for the 1991 games. I was actually going down a softball path and uh, was an assistant coach with the, with the Western Canadian team, Alberta. Um, just a lot of things there, hockey's accepting the Canada winter games, going to hold their first female camp. You know, I phoned hockey Alberta up and, and they were full. They didn't have any room for any coaches, but I could come as a, as a team leader. And I was like, ah, I don't know, you know, maybe it's softball. And then I think it was Rob Cookson at the, at that point in time called me up and said, Hey, we had a coach drop out. Do you want to come as a coach? And then it happened that the softball and hockey conflicted. And I had to make a choice at that point. And I chose, I don't know why I chose hockey to come to that camp. And, you know, they say it's a bit of a cliche. The rest is history, but uh, you know, again, just uh, the passion piece, 
I think it's just so many variables. Like you never had a vision. Like I never had a vision that I could go to the, an Olympic games or, or wear the logo or represent the logo. Uh, like I was uh, able to both in, in Alberta or for Canada, you always saw it sort of what was happening on the men's side and just, man, I wonder, I wonder if, and would that happen? And, you know, I definitely have a passion for sports, but more so a, a passion to contribute positively. And I really believe that's what drove me. And then, you know, doors and opportunities just kept coming forward. I was, you know, just again, so fortunate to get involved when I did. And it's funny you mentioned that hockey's not your favorite sport. I can relate to that because honestly, I've been running this Hockey Alberta podcast for a couple months now. I, I don't really listen to podcasts either. So, you know, I love doing it. Don't really like listening to it. So yeah, can re- can relate to that pretty heavily. And looking at your coaching resume now, it's easy to go on the record saying you're one of the most successful coaches in Canadian history in the sport of hockey, maybe in all sports. And that's not just in female hockey, that is in hockey in general. So in saying that, of course, there's still unfortunately Unfortunately, that divide between female hockey and male hockey, and you've broken so many of those barriers uh, in your career, coaching in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, coaching in the Alberta Cup. So in your coaching career, did you, could you feel those barriers? I mean, like, and really with that, how did you break through those barriers as well? Because obviously there is always that kind of adversity that you're going to face. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I would add in there, the Alberta Major Midget League was a, a real great uh, friend to me and an opportunity there. I think early on, uh, I was naive. I didn't know I was supposed to coach or didn't know I was supposed to be involved. Um, when I was in Castor, you know, a bunch of the fathers that sort of, you know, they actually saw where I needed to go or what I needed to do before I even did. And they con- they connected me with a group of, of coaches in Stetler in the Junior B League there. Uh, Rick Bowles and uh, Mark Lamenda and Doug McDavid. And, and um, you know, from there, started to branch out a bit, get a bit more experience. And then it was sort of that point, you know, you're starting to to recognize that, okay, where do I want to go? What do I want to do with this? And in uh, 1996, I was so fortunate the town of Castor gave me a leave of absence. And I took that time and went to the National Coaching Institute in Calgary at the University of Calgary. And it was kind of there that I was like, you know what, I, I want to coach for a living. I want to, this is what I want to do. I loved being a recreation director, but I really wanted to coach. And that is really when it hit home that there were no opportunities. There was not one paid position for a female in hockey in 1996 in in Canada for a woman. And, uh, you know, I had, to, I went to the States and coached there and then, you know, kept going back and forth. So I think, you know, as I went along there, those were, those were pieces um, that started to fall in place. And I really was fortunate with the people I had around me, whether it was Hockey Alberta, Scott Robinson, Rick Palutnik, Howard Werbin, um, so many of those people, you know, helped open doors for me or helped me move forward. But the obstacles, you know, I remember internationally, uh, international uh, head of a of a international federation telling me women belonged in the kitchen, you know, just not having a vision of, of where I could go or what I could do. I always respected, I, you know, that's one thing I have to tip my hat to the the people in the game always respected me. But, uh, you know, nobody ever opened any doors for me. That's for sure. Finished the 06 Olympic year, didn't have a job, had to go back to the U.S. And, and uh, Cornell University was phenomenal. And Anita Brenner um, and the group there were terrific to work for. Finished the 2010 Olympics, no job, um, you know, Hockey Canada, but no coaching jobs. And, 
And just, you know, at that point I decided I wanted to stay in Alberta. So I would leave coaching because I couldn't make a living at it. So, you know, lots of other stories of obstacles and challenges, but just the fact that when I got to a certain point where I really wanted to make a living as a coach, uh, there definitely was nobody helping me out or saying here, like, let's, let's talk to you about this. Let's see what it, what it, what it might look like. Uh, and, you know, and as a result, I probably stopped coaching prematurely and after the 2010 Olympics. You know, that's actually a story that I know myself and a lot of people probably don't know and is disappointing to hear. And I know when you fast forward uh, 25 years later now, and even I think Brian Burke brought it up on the last episode of our podcast, you are starting to see more, you know, in the National Hockey League and more and more opportunities opening up for female coaches and and females to be involved in the game. And it's happening in the National Football League and across sports. So uh, how have you seen the female game change in those opportunities start to open up uh, in, in your time as a coach and all the time you've spent in the game? Well, it's phenomenal now. You know, there you can make a living in the in sport as a woman uh, and in sports that were predominantly male dominated, uh, which is which is terrific. But you still have to be invited in. And I think that's the biggest change is the the shift in in uh, the male viewpoint of inviting you in and giving you those opportunities and and seeing seeing how people do. And you're going to you're going to fail and you're going to succeed. Uh, but now there's the opportunity to do those things, which you know, down the road, there's just, it's going to open a phenomenal amount of doors. And we have so many outstanding players in the game now that, that can look beyond their playing days and say, Hey, maybe I want to do broadcasting, or maybe I want to scout, or maybe I want to go into the operations side of it, or maybe I want to do, you know, there's so many things that you can do. And, you know, going back to where I, there was never an opportunity uh, until almost the end towards the latter part of my career outside of Hockey Canada, who was tremendously supportive for me to look at that and say, hey, I, I want to try that. I want to do that. You know, so that part on my end is I, I'd love to go back 20 years and be who I was 20 years ago now. I mean, it, it, there's just so many opportunities, but also really proud of the game and of the people involved that that they're starting, that they are opening those doors and and that women can dream those dreams now. And obviously still, still a lot of work to do on that front. And, you know, it's, it's always unfortunate to say that, but also, yeah, it is, it is great to see, and I would agree that those opportunities are opening up more and more and still on the subject now of of women in sport and lots of aspiring young female athletes out there, maybe aspiring coaches or anyone who wants to be involved in the game in, in any aspect, what would your advice be to them for all those athletes that might come up against some adversity being a, being a female in sport? Well, number one, it's a game. It's a game for life. You can be involved. Look at Hazel McCallum in in Ontario. She's 100 years old now, and she's still involved in the game. So I think, you know, it's a game of life. There's so many role models now and so many places to look. I think those are those are incredible pieces. The work's not done. And I think the the model of leaving it better than you found it uh, is really important. And I really believe that's what helps us stand out and makes us who we are within the game is that we care about the the past we love the present and and we work and we work hard on the future and i would say for any young young female to coming up don't forget about that but the i mean the opportunities are endless from getting a education to making it a career to just playing it recreationally i mean part some of the challenges i believe we have in women's hockey on the leadership side of it is that there's there's beer league women's hockey now. So those moms and those players, you know, they, they got to choose between being a wife, a businesswoman, a family member, a mother, whatever it might be, a partner. 
and maybe coaching or officiating or or leading and and then playing and there's not room for all of it so sometimes we lose out on the coaching or leadership side of it because they choose to keep playing because they haven't been able to play their whole lives and that's really well said and i think kind of shifting now too because you have a, a lot of advice to give on the area of coaching and at hockey alberta you know growing great coaches is very important so to all the coaches in the in the game out there in any facet of the game what would your advice be or maybe a couple key qualities that really make a good coach yeah well number 1 you're growing people not hockey players so don't ever lose sight of that whether whether they're 5 or uh you know, 50 or whatever the, the situation is, is the number one responsibility we have is to create a safe environment and grow good people, help good people grow. Uh, and on top of that, you know, we get to help them grow in a game that we all love with hockey. So that would be number one. Number two, don't be careful to not lead how you were led. You know, one of the reasons that they say Scotty Bowman and and some other coaches have been so successful over time is they've continued to grow and evolve with the times. And as coaches and as leaders, we tend to do things the way we were taught or coached or led. And there's nothing wrong with that because there's so many good, good pieces from, from the past, but, you know, be in tune with the, with what the world is now and, and the, the young people you're working with and, and what resonates with them and, and how you can help them, them lead. Then the third would be, you know, be a lifelong learner and don't wait for someone to spoon feed it to you. You know, there's a great thing out there called Google, or at least that's what they tell me. And uh, you can Google leadership and drills and, you know, too many times I, I see uh, young people or young coaches or leaders you know, waiting for somebody to hand them the recipe and there is no recipe. Um, it's a, it's being a lifelong learner. It's continuing to grow with the times and with society and with what the, the youth need right now and develop good citizens for our country. I, I should be taking notes. At, at least this is recorded because that, that is, that's a life lesson too, obviously, right? Like you said, it, that, that translates into life and you've obviously taken a lot of life lessons from hockey. What would you say maybe is one of, if not the biggest life lesson that you've taken from the game? Uh, consistency is really important. You know, knowing yourself and behaving consistently so that your people can trust you, your people being your staff, your athletes uh, has, has been one to, uh, I guess, similar to a parent, I don't have any kids, but similar to a parent, while they may say they hate you that day, or they may be so mad at you that day, if you've been consistent, if there's process and thought that's gone into your decision making years later, those same people will be thanking you for that, you know, balanced, tough love, if you will, or holding your ground or encouraging their self-discipline. So, you know, those are those are some of the pieces that sometimes you don't you don't get instant reward from as a coach and you wonder why you're doing it. And then years later, when you're talking to your players who are in leadership roles now and and, you know, one of them says, oh, my God, Mel, you just fell out of my mouth the other day at practice, you know, and, uh, you know, that makes you laugh. And it, it kind of holds you true to be like, you know, it'll come around. And as long as you're fair and you know why you're doing it, you'll do the right things as a leader. Wow. I, uh, I keep kind of losing my spot here. I get getting so lost in what you're saying. I think it's it, it's uh, amazing. And uh, one one last question here, and I think this is probably the toughest one that we're going to throw at you today because there's a lot to choose from. But do you have have a, a favorite hockey memory or a favorite moment in your career? There's so many. I mean, again, so many opportunities. And I, I, I always go back to this. I mean, 
just the growing good people. And when you, you know, when the season's over or the, you're on the blue line listening to the anthem or, or maybe you're not listening to the anthem. When you look down that blue line or you look at your group, every one of them has a story and every one of them deserves the best you can give to them uh, individually and, and as a whole. When those moments happen, good or bad, in terms of the, the final outcome, I mean, those are my most fav- favorite memories of of seeing the you know seeing them grow as people, um, of course celebrating when when they've they've achieved the highest level or done the things that 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 they've wanted to do. But sometimes that's that's in scoring your only goal that season. It's not always about gold medals. That's about reaching your personal best on a fitness test. Um, so those are my favorite memories. It's really about all the people and the and and their achievements and the people you meet and and that you learn from and continue to talk to and grow from. That's always so encouraging to hear, especially from someone who has four Olympic gold medals to choose from as a favorite memory. And to, to hear that, I think it really is the definition of hockey for life, uh, which is what we're all about. And we won't keep you any longer, Mel. I, I know I could probably chat with you for hours and ask you a million questions. So thank you so much for taking the time today. It really, truly was my honor to get to speak with you and have this conversation. I have a, a ton of admiration and respect for everything you've accomplished and everything you continue to, to do to grow the female game and the game of hockey in general. So we really appreciate this. Thanks a lot. Again, it's been my pleasure and Hockey Alberta and and Alberta always have a soft spot in my heart. And a big thank you again to Mel Davidson for taking the time to chat with us. A a really interesting and unique story there is her path through hockey and through coaching really isn't exactly cookie cutter by any means. And it just goes to show that there isn't really a cookie cutter way to success. There are a lot of different ways to achieve it, both in hockey and in life. So uh, lots of lessons taken from that one. And before we get to our sit down with Ray Bennett, as we always do, it's time to catch up on what's going on around the province. So here's what you need to know. Although games are still on pause, Hockey Alberta is now offering a number of skills camps and programs this spring. Of course, in accordance with all Alberta health guidelines. But you can head to HockeyAlberta.ca to see what's available so far in April. And keep checking back as more camps will be added in the near future. So again, if you're looking to get back on the ice, keep those skills sharp. Uh, There's a great way to do it. On a a much less positive note, but important news nonetheless... Uh, Due to ongoing government restrictions, Hockey Alberta has made the difficult decision to postpone all Team Alberta High Performance Selection Camps for the Alberta Cup, Alberta Challenge and Prospects Cup until further notice. Not really a surprise at this point, Hockey Alberta is looking at alternative solutions to implement if and or when government of Alberta restrictions could allow for meaningful competition in a selection camp format. So obviously no real timeline on that one, but you can stay tuned to Hockey Alberta alberta.ca as always for more information and lastly we will end with some positive news and and really positive news at that as alberta's own lacey senek is among the on-ice officials selected to work the 2021 double ihf women's world championship in nova scotia this may uh, lacey you've probably seen her a lot uh, on our website social media you know, a great resource for us and uh, a really successful official. She's actually a level five referee in the North region, and she's no stranger to working these national and international hockey events. Uh, Her resume includes two SO Cups, the Canada Winter Games, two U18 Women's National Championships, three Four Nations Cup events, and eight double IHF championships. She also serves as an important resource, as I mentioned,
function at the regional level as a mentor and instructor for aspiring officials in the Edmonton area and actually was named Hockey Alberta's official of the year for 2019. So a uh, huge congratulations to Lacey. Again, you know, such a successful official and I'm sure we're going to see much more success to come from her. And that's what you need to know. So as always, you can head to hockeyalberta.ca for more information. And joining us now is Innisfail native Ray Bennett, currently an assistant coach with the Colorado Avalanche, a post he's held since 2017. Prior to that, he spent 10 seasons with the St. Louis Blues and six with the Los Angeles Kings, both also as an assistant coach. And he spent six seasons here in Red Deer with the Red Deer College uh, hockey team as an assistant coach and head coach. That was between 1990 and 1997. So Ray, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to be here. And I'm going to start our interview off the same way I start all of them, because again, with your bio, can only really just scratch the surface of everything you've done in hockey. So can you describe your involvement in hockey over the years and where the game has taken you? Yeah, well, it's like I'm I'm not dissimilar, I would say, to most kids who grew up in Alberta, or a lot, at least in my era. We moved off the farm west of Bowdoin into Innisfail, and uh, one of the first things we did was get skates and walk across the road to the neighbor's backyard rink and and uh, learned to skate and play. And so that was it. It was uh, from a really young, early age. I don't know how old that would have been, five or six, maybe four or five. I'm not sure. A lot of years ago now. But, you know, I just always felt like, you know, hockey was such a passion and I enjoyed it so much and, and loved playing. And But it became pretty evident, and I tell this story lots, is we all have aspirations to play professionally and do things that way as, as a player. But at some point, it becomes pretty obvious that at least it did to me that uh, that wasn't going to be a future. So I always had a, a an appreciation for coaches. I had some really great coaches when I grew up in Innsville. And and one of the guys, uh, Larry Reed was his name. And and he was my peewee coach. I think he skipped us in Bantam and then coached us again in Midget. But he was one of the early guys involved in the NCCP program at the time. And one of the very first level five coaches in, in Canada. And we were fortunate enough to have him in a small town in Alberta and, and he was our coach for a lot of those years and just loved what he did. I loved his passion and, and he was firm and, and fair and, and like it was all the things that you would want in, in a coach. And, you know, I'm sure there were times when I was playing for him where I disagreed with some of that, but you know, what it did is it left an impression on me that, you know, coaching was, I never thought about coaching as a career, but it was something I felt like I could do that would give back to the game and I would keep me in the game. So that was, that was kind of it. And then when I went to university, I, at the University of Alberta, I took a recommend program and I, I didn't take phys ed in part because interestingly enough, the recommend program at the University of Alberta allowed me to take more coaching courses and get involved in more sociologies and psychologies and things like that. Again, not because I had any great desire or I had a great desire, but I didn't believe that coaching was was going to be my profession, but I was just interested in it. And so that's what I ended up doing. And, and as part of that, I got an internship. They call it internship at the time, but it was kind of like a summer job, recreation work experience program with Hockey Alberta. And uh, again, Larry Reed came back into my life. He recommended, because he wasn't so involved with, with Hockey Alberta and coaching, he recommended... Uh, me to Dale Henwood at the time, who was the technical director. And so I spent a number of summers working for Hockey Alberta and, and it was so awesome. It was, if you think back to those early days of, of when we started the athlete development programs in Alberta, I was basically a gopher, but we had as coaches at those camps, we had Dave King, George Kingston, Claire Drake, uh, Dale Henwood, Ken Hitchcock, 
like the list of people that were were involved in those programs at that time. So I just sat back and and if I wasn't fetching water and the odd beer, I was listening and paying attention. And it was it was incredible. Awesome. And that actually perfectly ties into my next question a little bit. And you know, 20 years in the National Hockey League is a, a huge accomplishment. And especially spending a, such a significant amount of time with, with each of the three teams you've been with uh, is equally, if not more impressive as well. How did your time coaching in Alberta and coming up through Alberta really prepare you uh, for coaching hockey at the highest level like you are now? Yeah, well, thanks. Those are kind words. I appreciate it. Um, well, you know, I think part of it is is the way I was raised. Um, you know, I think you try to have a humble approach to things and, and be willing to learn and listen and all of those things and then try to be a good person on top of all of those things. And then beyond that, once you get into sort of the hockey part of things, and again, I, I think about just the list of people, whether they were professional coaches or guys like Larry Reed or Larry Pearson, who was around Hockey Alberta for a lot of years, had so much to offer. And if, if you allow yourself to be mentored and listen and gather information and you're willing to learn and you're not obstinate in what your thoughts are, you know, as time goes on and the more experienced you become as a coach, the more, more developed your philosophy is. But what I found with all of those people that that I could mention was they were all learning. They were, they never felt like they ended their path to, to getting improvement or achieving improvement or learning. And so that's how I felt like with my career, sometimes it just helps being short and you miss the bullets when they fly over your head, when people are getting fired. But, and I think in my case, that's part of it, but you know, you just try to do a good job every day. You learn. And then one of the things that I learned early in it, and again, I think it's part of my personality is you build relationships and you build relationships with the staff you work with probably as important is the players. And I think if, if general managers in certain situations see that you're working with players, you're working to develop them and improve them, and you bring value that way, then I think that, that possibly could help you stay in, in situations a little longer than what otherwise would happen. And, and it would be foolish for me to suggest that it was other than sometimes it's just good timing to be where you're at and doing what you're doing. And, and that's just a fact. And so on that note with players, I know a lot for a lot of coaches out there, uh, their biggest goal is go out, win as many games as they can, you know, bring home a championship. Maybe for some of them, they want to be part of developing the next Connor McDavid, the next Sidney Crosby, the next Nathan McKinnon. Um, but how important is for coaches to really focus on seeing that overall picture of, of development and really focus on the process more than the outcome? I think process is the key word and, and it's a little bit overused these days, but it, it, it's still the most appropriate word to use in my view, at least. And I get why coaches, like there's opportunities now that, that weren't there for me. My first paid opportunity in hockey was, was a summer job I had with hockey Alberta. And, and then beyond that, again, I, I still say I never had an, uh, I had the desire, but I didn't really feel like it was going to be my career to get paid to coach. I think that there are more opportunities now. Like I think that there's, there's a little bit more paid coaching opportunities than there used to be, but it doesn't change because you feel like you can aspire and climb the ladder. It doesn't change the process, the word you used. And if you try to shortcut that at all, then I believe you're shortcutting your career. And the most important thing is you're probably shortcutting the opportunities that you should be giving to the players in terms of educating and teaching and coaching and developing and, and all of those things. If, if you get a little bit too caught up in the outcome part of this, which is easy to do, and there's a lot of pressure now, even, even in the youth hockey and minor hockey situations, 
to win. I think if you get caught up in that and you try to accelerate that past where you should be, then you end up in a situation where you're probably not going to get the opportunities you thought you were going to get. There's just no shortcut for it. And when coaches ask me, you know, when I do these sorts of things or speak to coaches in seminars, there's always somebody that wants to ask the question, you know, how do I get where you're at? And and you just, whether it's truthful or not, I get the impression that they're looking for just that little shortcut. So rather than, than following the steps of the path all the way along and taking however long it needs to take to get there, they're, they're looking to jump from, you know, from past step one to step five in a hurry. And, and I just feel like that's such a mistake. Like you to step over top of certain things, if there's opportunity for you, I'll say it will find you. And it's no different than scouting players. I don't care if you're from small rural Alberta, the way that that teams and, and your programs in, in Alberta are operating, it's very difficult if you're good enough to be missed. It's very difficult. And it's the same in coaching. If you're really good at your job, and I'm not just speaking to, in fact, I'm not speaking at all to wins and losses, but if you're very good at your job as a coach, people will find you. The opportunities will find you. You don't need to be always searching to try to find them. They will come and find you. That's fantastic advice. I think really important for all our coaches across Alberta to hear as well. And now in your your 20 plus years in the game, not just in the NHL, but really the game in general has changed a lot, both in the way it's played and as we, we continue to see the way players are coached. So what's the biggest change in the game that, that you've seen in all your time involved as a coach? Well, there's probably lots. You know, I think the game changes. I, I tell our players, so one of the responsibilities I have here in Colorado is our power play and that. And I'm repeating myself with them a lot at the beginning of every year. And this is my fourth season, I think, here. But when we talk about our power play, we will evolve from day one of, of training camp to day, you know, if this were the, a regular season, let's let's assume that it was a regular 82-game season. We will be doing things differently in game 82, not just because we've evolved as coaches and players, but because the game will change, the tactics will change, the, the penalty kill will it's always a cat and mouse game. So whatever breakouts and entries and in zone sets we're using on day one of the season compared to day 82, they'll always evolve because that's the way the game is now. The coaching is so good. The athletes are remarkable. And I say that at every level, like if you're coaching Bantam AAA, I think they're, they're so capable of, of really neat things that you can continue to stretch them and, and challenge them in all those situations. And that's the same with our players. So it's really difficult to say, you know, what's the one change. I do think that, you know, we, we deal with an athlete today that is a little bit different than it was, say, 10 or 15 years ago. I don't think, well, I know, I don't think. It's not thinking. It's knowing that you can't just tell a player to do something anymore and demand they do it. I think it, it, the, ex, the whole process of that takes more time. I think they have to understand why it is that they're doing it and then what the investment will get them in the end. So, in other words, if, if you ask me to do this, I need to know why, and then I need to know how it will benefit me down the road. And I think that's all positive. I don't I don't see a downside to that because what we're then growing is a much more complete athlete and hopefully a much more complete adult as they grow either through hockey into something bigger or or exit hockey and go into something else. But you know, I think it's it's fair to, for them to ask those questions. And then it's 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 really important for us as coaches to be able to provide that, help them understand why the path that we're going down is 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 there for them and you know what the benefits will be. And that to me, I've always felt like relationships and coaching are the most important thing, probably even more so than your tactical and technical abilities. Those also have to complement that. They should never lag on that, but they have to be sort of at the same level. You, you can't be an excellent X and O coach and a tactical coach and not be capable of building relationships. It just won't work. 
And you, you covered off my next question about relationships and making sure, you know, that you're not just building hockey players, you're building good people. So focusing a, a bit more again on, on you and your career, you know, 20 years in the NHL and all the time you put into coaching, it, it's a craft and it takes a lot of time and it can take you away from your friends and family a lot, especially the travel and, and the time you have to put in. So it takes a lot of passion and pretty easy question or, or maybe a complex answer here, but what fuels your passion for hockey and is, has kept you in the game for this long? Yeah, it's, it, I, I just loved it. You know, I, I don't dig too far into myself to just uh, to try to understand that. I've, I said for, I said it to one of our players on the ice, a good Alberta boy, Logan O'Connor the other day, and we were just talking about how great it was to be out for morning skate and guys are buzzing and, and our team's in an okay spot right now. But, you know, I said to him, you know, Logan, I just hope they don't figure out one day that I would do this job for free, you know, and, and he said the same thing, you know, and, and that's, just kind of how I feel. And I say that with all humility, because I think it's just something I've loved right from the day I got involved in it. And I probably was the kid that would stay out too long and, and either miss supper or get scolded because I did, or I, my feet were frozen or yeah, it, it just was, it's just always been there. And your comment about friends and family is so, so important. You know, my wife has sacrificed, we've been married 30 I don't even know, 30 some years, 31, 32 years. And, and we have three children and she's been the one that's bared the brunt of a lot of parenting in those situations when we're gone and on the road. And, and you know, even now to this day, I'm, I'm here in Denver by myself. My family, she stayed in St. Louis because she's got a CrossFit gym there she owns. And, you know, those sacrifices are, aren't lost on me. And, and, you know, they're made with the, the intent that we can still, you know, make everything work as it relates to our family. But, you know, she shared the passion. She understands what I do and, and why I do it. And she's been amazing for me to do that. And so, you know, it's a whole bunch of things that I won't say it's not easy or it isn't easy and it's not without its challenges, but, you know, we make it work. One last question too, pertaining to, to your Alberta roots. You you had the opportunity to coach with uh, another a proud Albertan in, in Ken Hitchcock and, uh, you know, and not just him as well, but how, how great has it been for you to be able to come up and have those role models and be able to learn from coaches like him? Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you talk about good timing in your, in your life and in your career when people enter it and, and you're not quite sure, you know, what these people are all about. But if you, if you're willing to learn and listen, probably listen first and sort of understand who they are. And Hitch was right from the very first time I met him in, in a camp, you could understand. I mean, I think I'm a fairly passionate guy. Like he's, he's gotten another tenfold in his love of the sport and how he's invested in his career. And, and I think he would probably answer the question the same way I have. I, I don't think his goals were always to, to make a living and become, you know, one of the highest, most winning coaches in the National Hockey League. I think he was just doing it because he loved it and those opportunities presented themselves. So he took them and and did extremely well with them. But, you know, your life is blessed when you have people like Hitch and, you know, Mike Babcock, who I first coached with at Red Deer College, and and he was willing to to help and, and bring me along and was looking for some help with the, with the team. And there's just the list is so long. And, you know, those people are really critical. And I would just advise coaches you know, we spoke a little bit ago about sort of pushing that path that you want to pursue. And, and sometimes it's wins and losses. I would challenge all of them, all the coaches, young, 
you know, men and women involved in the game to work really hard at recognizing when somebody presents themselves to you that that you can learn from and take advantage of and not dismiss those opportunities because you feel like you've got more answers than you have questions. And I think if you're willing to do that, which I believe most are, I really do believe that. But there are times where, you know, I look at it and go, well, you know, this guy coached 30 years ago. What could he possibly teach me? And yet we all know as we get older and wiser that those people have tons to offer. And the answer to this next question might be uh, some, somewhere in there and one of the other answers you've already given and maybe a hard one to pinpoint again, but what's the biggest life lesson? Lesson that you've taken from hockey? Yeah, I think it's, it's, there, there's a bunch, you know, and, and I'll try not to fumble around trying to find one. I think there is something to be said for hard work and, and just, I think hard work wins. And if you're, in, if you're looking at trying to invest in your, you know, whether you're coaching at youth hockey or minor hockey, or you've advanced to a position where you're getting a little bit of cash to, to do the job is that whatever effort you're putting in now, isn't enough and that it's got to be more significant to try to grow it. And I'm not talking about just immersing yourself and not having any fun or family or any of those things, but you got to work at it. And, you know, along with that. So if your passion isn't, doesn't mesh with the work that's required, Again, it doesn't mean that you'll fail, but it just probably won't be all that you want it to be. And through all of that, I think your your capacity to work hard, acknowledge the successes you have, and then greater yet, acknowledge the failures and work at trying to improve those, whether it's yours as a coach or, or failings that you feel like you've had with your athletes. Do all of those things to try to improve and stay humble. Keep pursuing the, the knowledge that's out there because it's far more significant than it was you know, when I started my career. So there's, there's tons of resources. So continue to learn, stay humble and work. Oh, I like that. I know uh, these days no one likes hearing that or people maybe don't want to believe that hard work is the key, but it, it it always is. So I think that's some great advice. And one last, again, a, a bit of a broad question, maybe a tough one for you to end on, but do you have a, a favorite hockey memory or something in your career, your time coaching that really stands out for you? Oh, that's a tough one, you know, because I think there are so many. I think there was there's a bunch of small, significant ones. Early in my career in LA, we uh, second year there, we we lost to Detroit. My first year there, four nothing. Detroit was like crazy. I think they lost like eight or twelve or fifteen games. And the next year, we faced them again, and we're everybody's sort of picking it to be that same thing all over again. And we ended up losing the first two games of the seven game series in Detroit, and then winning four straight to beat them in overtime in Game Six. It's a pretty special thing when you you accomplish those things, but it isn't always about the wins and losses. And I've had some of those, you know, we went to the Western Conference final, lost in game seven to uh, or game six to San Jose. Um, those are tough memories, but they're good. They're, you know, they're, they're things that you strike onto. But I would still say after having sort of the wins and losses and all those things, the things you remember the most are those moments with people you know, relationships that you've built with coaches and, and other people. And to this day, I still have guys that I coached a Bantam double A team at one point when I was working for Hockey Alberta. And uh, I still have people from that team who I stay in contact with. And it's fun to watch them grow and they're, you know, where they're at with their situations and their families and their lives. And same thing with the NHL, you know, there's guys that retire and I send them a quick text and and I get such a a neat response back from them. And and it just, those are the things that I'll carry to my rocking chair, probably. A great definition again of, of what we mean when we say hockey for life. I think a, a great note to end on. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, share some wisdom for all of our coaches across Alberta, really at, at, at any level. Obviously a lot to take from, from you, you know, with your 20 plus years of NHL experience. Uh, so again, thank you again. And, you know, as a Flames fan, I, I can only wish you so much luck the rest of the season. <laughs> but you know what, you, you have a, 
a pretty good squad down there in Colorado. So as always, best of luck. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Good luck to you as well. And a huge thank you again to Ray Bennett, just another one of the many coaching success stories coming out of Alberta. And just like with Mel Davidson as well, a lot of great coaching advice there, but also just life lessons and things you can really apply to anything. So always great to hear from from people like Mel and Ray and, and see what they've accomplished, starting with those Alberta roots. And with that, episode nine of the Center Ice podcast has come to a close. One last thank you to Ray Bennett and Mel Davidson and to producer Steve for keeping things running behind the scenes. And as always, thank you to you for tuning in. I'm Ted Emmett, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Center Ice podcast. For this episode and more, head to hockeyalberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, Email info at hockeyalberta.ca.